0: This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth and he says this, and I just want to put this as a base today, is it's not my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. It's a pretty good foundational base. All right, here we go. I want to say that again. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that again. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, that is people outside of the church, Right? But it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So I just want to lay it down today. Um, my goal today is not, and isn't ever, is not to crush culture around us. Okay? It's doing a pretty good job by itself. All right? And so my goal is, let's open our eyes to the reality of the kingdom of God among us. Right, how many of you have complained about culture? I can't believe, I, what? Here's, here's the question I wanna ask. Why can we not believe this? Why is it that it just, it's, it's shocking to us that a world who tries to live as if there's no God is behaving as the way that it is? I want us to pause for a second and are we really shocked that. Now, there's some shocking things that happen, but are we really shocked by it? See, when we try to live as if there is no God, this is what goes on. I mean, my son comes home from middle school, and I'm like, that's not the middle school I went to. I mean, that is the middle school I went to. That's physically the middle school that I went to, but that's not the middle school I went to. (laughs) Holy smokes. What? Right? You know, even in the few years I mean, my, my other son comes home, and well, that was the high school that I taught at for 13 and a half years, but man, that's not the high school I taught at. And we, we, we wonder, you know, and, and, you know, I love the, the hopeful um, saying, "Well, the world, there I am." the voice again. It, I don't care. Well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Man, thanks for that hope. That just has Jesus written all over it, man. (laughs) Jesus came to redeem, to make whole. If we we were gonna read in Romans 8, uh, all things are made new. Yeah, there are gonna be people that just absolutely to the end, don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. But Jesus came, and we have a message of hope. And uh, we're gonna read out of the Old Testament, just a a verse from Hosea 4.6. And this is coming from the New Revised Standard Version. And and Hosea 4.6 says this, "'My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge "'because you have rejected knowledge. "'I reject you from being a priest to me.'" And since you have forgotten the law of your Lord, I will also, or I also will forget your children. And we can see in this passage that clearly God is displeased with his people. All right, that is is very evident in the passage. And he's displeased with them uh, because not only do they lack knowledge, but they actively reject knowledge, all right? So, so they, they have a knowing, but then they're saying, I don't wanna know it, and then they're going a step farther and saying, stop telling me, I don't want to hear it. And so we have to understand that the only reason that this nation, state, the nation of Israel existed was because of God's power and presence. They weren't that great in and of themselves. There was a little thing, or a big thing, called God and his presence among them that sustained them, All right? And they were not recognizing this, and they refused it, and so God rejects them. And some may say, well, man, that's kind of mean, God. That's really mean of you to reject them But here's what the deal was. It's quite the opposite. I want you to hang on with me here because I'm gonna say something. You might be like, what? God has simply given them what they want. Heard it said before, God's a gentleman that way. You don't want him, he won't force himself on you. See, to me, this is a story that shows actually God's incredible patience and his great love. Because what, we, what we'll see is, is this, that, that throughout the Bible, the biblical narrative, what you see is this turn away, turn back to, turn away, turn back. And what does God do? He says, what? The arms of the Father are open. Open. Now, I don't know about you, but in my, in my own life, how many times have you rejected the love of God? I don't wanna know right now that you're good, God. I am hurting. I'm going through something, God, and I know that, I know, I know you're good. I don't wanna hear about it, though. But then you come to this place, you say, God, forgive me for that, I'm so sorry. I know that you know, I love you, I, would you just forgive me for walking away from you? And, and what does he do? Yeah. And we get to walk in, in that grace and, and that mercy. And the more that we, we become kingdom people, the more we understand his grace and mercy that we don't want to abuse it. We want to walk in it every day. Romans 1, 21 through twenty. Three in the New Living Translation says this: Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever or ever living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, when people do not accept the divine guidance, they will run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. Another translation says this, when, when people don't accept um, divine guidance, they cast off all restraint. See, and the pattern is is this, the casting off of all restraint and then people build idols. This is is what people do and throughout history they've done this. They cast off all restraint, they reject knowledge of the true and living God and they build idols. Now here's the problem. When they build idols, they build idols that will serve them. Here, let's go with some examples, okay? Okay. You're going to worship, bottom line is this, you you are wired to worship. So you're gonna worship somebody. uh, When you worship anything but God, it's called adultery. And and here's what it is. Now, us moderns might look back to our ancestors, right? And we might say something like, can you imagine, can you imagine building a golden calf and worship, what (laughs) are they? They're idiots. Can you imagine you watch the movie Gladiator and he has the little shrine and he has the little wooden things, right? And like, you know, he's praying to these little wooden things. Those were little gods.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, the,
0: these people were, they, they weren't real bright, clearly. You know, we might even say, God, what a bunch of Weirdos. I mean, you build a golden calf and you're worshiping this when you have the truth of God. And, and, but it, isn't it funny, though? Like, we always think we're, we're better than the past. What if future generations look back and said to us, wow, what a bunch of weirdos. They actually worshiped money. They actually, like, the church in America was, at, they actually worshiped political parties. wow, they worshiped the red or the blue. Man, just a thought, you know, because of course we're so high and above the people of, from the old days, right? You know, I, I, my oldest daughter and I were having this conversation, just a little side here about this. Not necessarily idols, but how we feel like we're so much better, right? Can you imagine if, we, if, if this group right here um, landed in uh, like a New York Harbor and we, we tried to go west, like frontier style, no roads, nothing? Hello? Is anybody in the... We would be dead in 48 to 72 hours, undoubtedly, every, almost everyone in the room, OK? I mean absolutely goners. Like these people were so smart, just in a different way. Right? And so we're, we're not any like, inte- we're not any more intelligent, OK, than we were before. Uh, we're just different We're different intelligence. We use our intelligence differently. And so they worshiped, you know, calves and we worship money and politics, all right? And they're both incredibly just not worthy of worship. They're idols, right? Why would we worship money? It cannot do anything for us. Somebody said to me one time, have you ever seen an armored truck following a funeral procession, you know? I mean, there's the old joke where, where the, the widow said, you know, um, you know, he wanted me to borrow, he wanted me to bear, uh, bury him with all his money. And they're like, how big a hole? And this guy's a millionaire. How big a hole is that going to be? She says, no, I wrote him a check, <laughs> all right? And so he, <laughs> it ain't going with you. All right, and so there's emptiness uh, in this, but but we set idols up to serve the idol worshiper to give them power. We feel as though if we if we worship good enough, that that we'll be empowered. So idols always are are made to serve us, and what we find in the end is that these things are what they are. They're things. They're empty without answers. And I wanna say this, we must have answers, but we're gonna to get to that in a bit, okay? So contrary to all the scriptures, or uh, all the scriptures that we just mentioned, are not contrary, but maybe opposite of this, the scriptures also say this, the righteous live by faith. And that scripture is found in Habakkuk. And I think it's 4, 6. We'll go with that. Check me on that later. All right, um, now to follow understanding or to fully understand this, uh, the righteous live by faith. Here's what I want you to understand. This is not a statement that says the righteous live in a state of ignorance or stupidity. Okay? Again, faith is not blind, all right? Blindly walking through life. We're oblivious to everything around us. And, but here's the problem. That's not true. We're not... People who are blind. If we're following Jesus, we're not following Jesus blindly. We're following Jesus full of knowledge. Now, sometimes it might look like blind faith. Right? And this is because our circumstances uh, in which we act as we follow Jesus, sometimes we do act beyond what we know. Immediately, do you understand that we act beyond what we know? Immediately, but this action is done within a framework of knowledge. We know that God is good, the acting, uh, beyond what we know, guess what? Is then because it's found in a framework of knowledge, it actually is within reason, even though people would say you're crazy. Everybody get what I just said, all right? <laughs> we act beyond what we know, but we act within a framework of knowledge knowing that God is good and he is in control. Therefore, our actions are actually within reason even though other people might call us crazy. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's something crazy like give a 10th of your uh, income away or 20% of your income away. Uh, adopting kids is crazy, All right? but it's what God has called some people to do, giving money uh, when you don't have money at the moment, but you feel like God said you need to give this money. That's, that seems irrational. It seems to be without reason. Why would you do that, all right? Or think about this, praying for people, and I love how we do it in the vineyard because we pray for people now. Have you ever noticed people when they're like, Hey, man, I'll pray for you. And you're like, you know, you're getting warmed up. I mean, you ain't doing anything weird. It ain't like you're like, all right, man, I got to prep. You're just like, okay, yeah, man, I'd love, man, I'm going to, they mention something to you and you say, and I'd love, can I pray for you about that? And they're like, oh, yeah, for sure. And the expectation is that we move on from that point to the next one. But you say, no, I mean, like now, can I pray for you? Oh, you mean like now? Well, yeah, like now. Okay? That doesn't seem rational. That seems irrational to some people. Why would you pray right now? Because I want to pray and I want to see God impact your life right now. Oh, okay. And so the way you act, the decisions you make, the basic assumptions about what is real and what is good, this includes assumptions about who you are and what you should be. All of this stuff is known as worldview. And maybe you've heard of this term or not, but I wanna introduce you to it. Here's what I also wanna introduce you to, the fact that you cannot escape from having a worldview. You are going to have a worldview. And maybe you've never spent any time thinking about this. Maybe it's the first time that you've even heard of the term worldview. And here's, you might say it like this. Uh, you ever said this about somebody? Boy, I wonder what makes them tick. Or maybe you said it not so condescendingly and rude and you were like, hmm, what makes them tick? Because you were wanting to be Jesus to them and you were just wondering what made them tick, all right? And you weren't shouting it at them, all right? And so this worldview is this. Uh, it, It gives you orientation for everything else. Everything else you do is based off of your worldview, And for many people, their worldview looks like a patchwork quilt. It's a bit from your family upbringing. It's a bit from the Twitterverse or uh, Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. A bit from media, uh, be it CNN, Fox, whatever one you um, idolize. Um, Oh, I meant whatever one you watch. Uh, A bit from the Bible, a bit from personal thought and experience. And boom, you have worldview. Now... In forming a worldview, there has to be four questions that have to be answered. And these are, what is reality? Who is well off or blessed? Uh, Who is a truly good person? And how does one become a truly good person? And what I want to cover today in our remaining little bit of time is this. What is reality? Okay? Now, we're not going to get weirdo here and like, we're actually living in an alternate universe. No, I don't believe that. I believe like, what we're living is real right now. Like, we're, we're not about to go on Stephen Hawking's like, <laughs> trail through the stars, okay? Um, we're not gonna do that, okay? So James says this in uh, James 1, 2 through 8. Uh, "'My brothers and sisters, "'whenever you face trials of any kind, "'consider it nothing but joy, "'because you know that the testing of your faith "'produces endurance,' And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives, to, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way... Must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, again, we could be like, "Wow, that's pretty." Maybe I don't know if you've kind of like looked at that passage and maybe looked at it for a second. And you were like, "Man, I think I've, I think I've doubted before." God, am I like a wave tossed in the sea? Am I double-minded and unstable in every way? So he speaks to this, and and this man is uh, is one that's trying to live in two realities. You ever try to live in two realities? You guys are thinking, okay, I thought you said there was gonna be no space stuff here. All right, you ever try to live in two realities? And I wanna explain that for a second is this. uh, The man who tries to live in two realities, the woman who tries to live in two realities is this. One where they, the man or woman, is in control, and the other is where God is in control. Uh, Maybe this is you. God, I need your wisdom to make this decision. And four and a half minutes later, you're making the decision. You've heard nothing from God. You're like, I ain't got time to wait, God. I need your wisdom, Lord, but I need it now. Okay? And then what we're doing is we're we're gonna make our decision on our own. After all, what we're actually saying is, God, I kind of want to include you, but I kind of want to make this decision. So God, I really don't actually want to include you but I wanted to make it feel like I was including you so that myself could feel better that I was including you, (laughs) but I didn't. How many of you guys believe this? Guide, God, guide me through this time. God, I am going through the roughest time of my life. Would you guide me through this time? And 24 hours later, you are just plowing ahead, and God is back there. That yoke that was easy and light, yeah, I ain't got, okay. I'm out of here. I don't know about you, but I've learned that uh, living in these two realities is a, is a constant, just pain in the rear, right? Uh, now, I do wanna say what, you know, and I wanna answer the question, what is reality? It, it, the most simple definition is reality is what you can rely on. If you think you're the fastest person alive, race an Olympian, you will meet reality you think you can fly, jump off the Grand Canyon, you will meet reality. It's called the bottom of the Grand Canyon, all right? And so reality, again, is what you can rely on. And there's this story in Luke, uh, and Jesus is telling this story, and it's in Luke 12, or it's not going to be on Air Bible here, but uh, Luke 12, 16 through 21 of the foolish farmer. And the foolish farmer says, man, I have so much stuff. I'm good. I have this, this crazy amount of crop, Right, I have this excess. I'm just going to fill my storehouses, and you know, I'm not even going to worry about anything. Uh, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. You know, know, nothing wrong with that. I love it. But the problem was, the central reality for the farmer was his possessions were his central reality, and not his relationship with God. Because God replies and says, "You fool! You are going to die tonight, and then who will have your possessions?" Do you think it's more important for you to be rich with material goods than it is to possess a relationship that's rich with me? His central reality was his possessions. There's this old adage that what you, do, once you, what you don't know can't hurt you. I like what Dallas Willard says, he says it can kill you. All right? What you don't know can't hurt you is just completely false, all right? Uh, I just give a quick example. Uh, if that is the truth, what you don't know can't hurt you, I encourage you then to uh, give your eight-year-old the keys to your car and see how they drive because they don't know and it's gonna hurt them and it's gonna hurt other people too, all right? All right. Dallas Willard says this in Knowing Christ Today, people perish for lack of knowledge because only knowledge permits assured access to reality. And reality, I love this part, please pay attention. I'm gonna read that first part again. People perish for lack of knowledge, okay? We read that from a Hosea passage. They also were, they didn't want the knowledge, they rejected it. So people perish from lack of knowledge because only knowledge pers- permits assured access to reality and now listen to this part because it's so important, and reality does not adjust itself to accommodate our false ideas, our false beliefs, errors, and hesitation in action. Reality does not adjust itself to accommodate our false beliefs, errors, or hesitations in action. So, the Jesus way and I, I wanna wrap with this. What was reality to Jesus? What was reality to Jesus? I wanna read some passages. They're all from the book of John, and they're gonna pop up here on the Air Bible, so hang with me. John three sixteen and 17. You know this. Have you ever watched a football game? Okay, they used to show it back in the early 2000s. I haven't seen it in a while. Okay, it, it, it says this. Um, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. John 10.30 says this. Jesus says, the father and I are one. John 14.6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 16, 28, yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. John 17, three, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This was reality for Jesus. And that reality is known as the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus is, is calling us into this reality that's called the kingdom of God. Jesus is calling us out of the double-minded man, the double-minded woman who is, has one foot in and one foot out and he's calling us to a commitment that says this in Matthew 16, 24 through 26. It says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul. And here's how I wanna close today real simply is this. How many of us in the room, rhetorical question, you don't have to answer it, but I want you to at least think about it and I want you to leave here thinking about it. How many of us are living the reality of James 1? How many of us have a patchwork worldview that doesn't have Jesus in the center of what reality is? And if we don't have that, how are we then if Jesus is the center of everything, everything, every decision we make is then based off of that, all right? If Jesus is off to the side, something else is central. There's always something central in worldview. So where, where is that and what is that? And Jesus is calling us and he's saying, listen, there's the kingdom of God. There's hope found in the kingdom of God. We were talking uh, this week, me, uh, Connie and I were talking about Um, you know, it used to be cool to scare people into the gospel. We don't need to scare people into the gospel, all right? We'd have the pitchfork and the everything, we're prodding people and there's flames and there's sulfur. God's gospel, Jesus' gospel is so good, let's talk about the goodness of God. I'm not saying we need to erase hell. I'm saying this. God's goodness and the kingdom of God among us is such good news that we should be running towards that, that our lives and our decisions should be based on that, that our worldview is found central in Jesus, and then our decisions that we make are made off of that and what the reality of Jesus is, because here's what I know. I can run into the arms of the Father, and that is reality, and he will catch me there. That's is reality. And so what I'm asking for and what I'm saying is this. Let's run into his arms. Let's say, man, you know what? I don't need to judge culture around me. How would I expect people to act like Jesus who don't know him? Especially when I'm yelling at them. What kind of response is that? Here's the response I would love people to see in us is that 54 families get fed because we believe that Jesus Christ rules and reigns and that the kingdom of God becomes a reality to them because he's calling us to something. That 10 families experience Christmas-like gifts-wise that they wouldn't have because the kingdom of God is real. And there's a a rap song that my kids love. I love it too. It's called Willie, and it says this. um, If my brother needs a dollar, he's gonna get a tenner. Yeshua of Nazareth was not a penny pincher. Never had a rap song hit me like that. (laughs) But I love that song because the reality is this. We act in the knowledge of the king of kings. And he is good and he is right. And because of him, we are right. And only because of him. And that is something that I can worship. Because it's eternal. So stand with me and pray. I just want to do this now. I just want to take a moment, and we're just going to kind of be quiet. I know it gets awkward, but the invitation is this. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you begin to adjust our worldview that, that Jesus, you would be at the center? And so I'm just going to pray that, and then we're going to be quiet for a couple minutes, for a moment, a minute. And then, um, so I, I would just say this. Open your hearts to what God wants to do right now. So Jesus, would you come in this moment, in this space, would you come, would you have your way? For those who are joining us online, God, would you come and have your way? Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to the deepest parts of who we are? We're just gonna rest for a moment in you. Let's just uh, sing this together.
1: Holy, holy, are you, Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb.
0: Saying.
1: You, almighty, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the. Lamb.
0: God, as we leave here today, could our hearts and minds be transformed into the likeness of you, Jesus? That we would see people around us, God. Help us to see people as you see them. Help us to approach situations that even may be difficult, but we know that we can act in a Christ like way because we have knowledge of the living. here on mission, that people may know the good news of Jesus Christ, and may our lives be a reflection of that, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you are here and you need prayer, you desire to be prayed for, there's going to be some people that are up here. Um, that will be praying with you. Also, we encourage you, if you brought kids today, that you pick them up from kids' worship. We're not doing extended child care today. So (laughs) Uh, go do that and uh, go on mission. See you guys. Peace.